0: friends. Well, if this doesn't seem like coming back home again. <laughs> I seen a sign out there said homecoming and that's just what I feel like it is. Good old fashioned homecoming. So happy to be here tonight to minister these few nights with you in the name of our dear <laughs> beloved Lord Jesus. And this was kind of an unexpected affair for me. I just, all at once, just something said, well, go down and see Brother Reed and all the folks down there. Well, we thought a few books and a little old panel job and Billy and I come right on down. <laughs> and we're very happy to be here. I believe mean, the tabernacle looks a little different than what it used to. You know, kind of, they tell me the outside still looks better. <laughs> so, <laughs> or ch- more change rather than what it is on the inside. Last time I was here, I believe we had the skylights too, and the people was up on top looking down through the skylights when we was having the service. And, well, that's very, very fine. Well, he has been awfully good to us. I know he's been good to you. He's been good to me. And such a privilege to get back to see Brother and Sister Reed also again. I told him he hadn't changed any. He's still just as chunky as he ever was. <laughs> said he got a new preacher down at their place. I guess that's right, is it Sister Reed? <laughs> and, uh, so I guess he knows what doing those bedroom miles is at night, back and forth like this. Uh, you soon get acquainted with with that, get aware of it. <laughs> I've had four cases of that, so I'm a veteran. <laughs> but it's uh, sure good to be standing on this platform again. Say, I hope this is not broadcast. It isn't. It isn't. <laughs> you know, when I get down here among you people here in Arkansas, I just feel like I just feel at home. That's right. And everywhere I've went, and anywhere in the United States, I've always found some people from Arkansas. Everywhere I went, I found some people from Arkansas. I have had very few meetings, what I say. How many here are from Arkansas? See, everywhere. Well, there's some Arkansas folks there. We're going to have a real meeting. So they really believe. <laughs> That's right. So I'm, I'm not saying anything against any of you folks here It's not from Arkansas. <laughs> but... Uh, you find, I find one thing about the people here, that they just don't try to figure out and study all about it and all the techniques of how God could make a man well. They just believe it and go on and get well. So that, that's just the way that God wants us to do. We can never figure it out. You can't figure God out. You've just got to believe God. Isn't that right? There was two trees in the Garden of Eden. One of them was knowledge. And the other was life. And when a man went off the tree of life to eat the tree of knowledge, he always tried to figure things out from then on. He never has got straightened out yet. (laughs) So we might as well go back to the tree of life and just believe. Is that right? And think the first bite he took, he destroyed destroyed his fellowship with God. And every time he takes a bite off of it, he destroys himself. He bit off gunpowder, kills his comrade. He bit off... uh, an automobile kills more than all the wars. And now he's got himself a hydrogen bomb. I wonder what he's going to do with that. But every time he bites off the tree of knowledge, he separates himself from God. And from uh, and God isn't known by knowledge. God's known by faith. By faith we believe God. How wonderful. And I hope that these... A few nights to be with you here proves to be a great blessing to all of us. Now, we're just all home folks, and uh, we just want to—we love the Lord, I'm sure. And uh, if you still love Him the way you did the last time I was here, are you sure in love with the Lord then? I remember going up and down the streets and the people with their children and laying under cotton trucks and so forth, and it pouring down rain. I never forget. It. Everywhere I go, there is isn't no, a week of my time hasn't passed. But what I remember, that poor colored girl back there in the back of that lot, and when she received her sight that night, when I went out to pray for that woman in the ambulance, and she come over here to Blytheville or somewhere and testified. Not long, then went on out to California somewhere and testified of her healing. And then back there, that colored girl caught the lapels of my coat and wouldn't let me go back there. I never forget that as long as I live. There's been much water has went under the bridge since we met last. It's been seven years ago exactly this year when I started out praying for the sick. The Lord has been very good. We've had nearly half a million conversions since then, and the Lord has blessed greatly and I'm fixing to leave now again to Africa, to India, to Palestine. Up into uh, many of the different European countries where I believe the time is at hand. I believe our Lord is doing things real quickly. Recently in Africa, where we had one of our greatest campaigns, we had 100,000 people out there and had 30,000 converts one afternoon. 30,000 at one time. And and those, some of those raw heathens breaking their mud idols on the ground and receiving the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. I said, "Now, don't wait for a missionary to come. You take this same message and go to the tribes where the white man can't even go." And I got a message back in there that from one tribe, this is about a year after, near a year after I'd left, that they'd taken. Seven van loads, big van loads of watches and firearms and things that those natives had stole, returning it back. They didn't want it anymore. Nothing to do with any stealing or anything wrong. And one of, the, one of the man that went out, which was a heathen, one day and the next day, went out and he baptized up to as many as a thousand a week, baptizing his native friends as many as a thousand a week in Jesus Christ. Oh, my That's what it is. Don't wait to educate a missionary to go in. Let the man take the message to his own people. For God is doing a quick work. The end is at hand. And I believe that with all my heart. Now, while we're here, just a little group together. So we, I have preached to larger groups, of course, but I never feel any more home than I do right tonight. Just feel right like it was right at home. And so now we want to take these next few nights and just chuck them full of prayer and faith and believe God for the impossibles to happen. And now it's of this is a new uh, thing for me tonight, Our Parties, kind of broken up. Brother Bosworth's down in Durban, Africa, organizing the meetings, getting them together. That's one of the managers. Brother Baxter's in British Columbia, Vancouver, at his home, getting a visa to come to America to become a citizen here. And we're just scattered about. Brother Sherrett's out in Phoenix, the business manager. So Brother Reed called me up the other night, and the Lord told me, come down to Jonesboro. So here, Billy and I are down here. Well, I am. I don't know where he's at. (laughs) Anyhow, he's here supposed to be here somewhere. (laughs) So we're happy to be here, and want you all to just put your faith together with us now, and we're going to serve the Lord the best that we know how, Bring in your sick and the afflicted. Let's all pray for them together that the Lord Jesus will bless them. Am I hitting the wrong microphone here, Brother Reed? This is all right. Now, I believe that for a few nights, or at least tonight, it would be a good thing for us uh, to talk just a little bit before the the crowds get uh, to a place where there's kind of a pressure and a pack on it and then we will talk for a few nights just about the Bible, about the Lord Jesus, and pray for a few of the sick. And then this little group now, when the others begin to come, if they do, then you can begin to tell the others about what takes place and explain it to them, and some things it seems mysterious to them, then you'll know how to talk about it. Is that right? And then I think that would be very good. Now, Billy and I throwed a few books in the back of our car. Brother Reed will tell you about them. It's some of the books that's been written of our campaign. Some of the African campaigns. Some of them called "Man Sent from God." They're not mine. I get them from other peoples who has wrote them. We never come down here to sell books. Now we just come to preach the gospel and to pray for the sick. But we have the books along, and if. Brother Reed will tell you about how to get a hold of them. If you care to take one, why it would... Um, If I didn't think it was worthwhile, I'm sure I wouldn't try to... I wouldn't even buy them in the first place. (laughs) But I know that they're a great help. It stimulates faith, mind. And so Brother Reed will tell you a little later how to get a hold of them. The last time I was here at the Tabernacle to... Pray for the sick. I remember I'd made a statement that there would be a time that when the Holy Spirit... Remember how I used to take the people by the hand and hold their hand? And i wait just a little while to see what he was going to say and find out what was wrong with the people. You remember what it used to, How many was there in the old meeting? Well, my, some old-timers here. You remember what he said to me? Before starting, so now, if you'll be sincere, it'll come to pass that you'll know the very secrets of the people's hearts. you remember that? Remember that? Well, God doesn't tell things wrong. He always tells things right. And that we want to believe God with all of our heart. I remember one morning, coming out of a room, sitting here looking at Sister Reed. I was thinking one morning coming out of the room, I was so tired in their little stucco home they lived in down here. and she got out on the piano and began to play for me and I remember went back to, we was praying in there and the Lord spoke to me that there would be a little boy in their home and when I heard of it I was I think I was in one of the islands or somewhere, but somebody told me, my wife or some of them said, just got a card from Brother Reed, said that little boy's here. <laughs> so I was so happy to hear that. Thank the Lord. Oh, he's done the exceedingly abundantly above all that we could do or Love him with all my heart. Is this the same platform, Brother Reed? I don't think it is, is it? No, it's it's I remember of kneeling right along here somewhere where the people and I said, I'm going to pray for everybody that comes along. I stood there for night after night after night. I got me a new pair of shoes and I started home with the toes turned up on the ends like that. where i have been <laughs> kneeling down, praying along the toes and set right back like this. <laughs> My, way early in the morning, I'd still be here praying for the sick. they bring me some orange juice or something. I'd slip around behind the desk here and drink it and get back over to prayer line and get started again. Well, I still love him the same tonight. Amen. He's sweeter than he was then. Amen. 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 For no know more about him now. And he uh, he's proven himself over and over. And Christian friends, if I would set in to try to tell the half that he's done since then... You know what time it would be. This time next month we'd still be here talking about what he's done. The marvelous, matchless things. This always seemed to be like a, a hopping-off place for me. Right here on this blessed old Bible hour tabernacle. Seemed like his right here it started off. Somehow the little, what was that paper, Sun? Sun, yeah, Arkansas Sun or Jonesboro Sun. That little paper got old. Some of the articles, very lovely, written up, and that got on the on the Associated Press, which they're members, and a sweeped across the country. My wife and I were answering all the mail, you know, and so we had a wash basket a few days, a pile full of mail. Well, we couldn't do it then, so we just had to get started, get a little office set up. Since then, now we got around about fifteen of those offices across the world. Sweden, Finland, Germany, Africa, Norway, Belgium, France, two in Canada. So it just shows that our Lord's great work cares everywhere, doesn't it? But he's still the same lovely Lord Jesus. Now we want to talk about him just a little while. As we go along a little later on, I don't want to hold you too long because I imagine you're cotton, you're plowing it or planting it or something now. So we just open up the Word here and look into it just a few moments. But before, now we're able to pull the pages back, but we're not able to open the Word. Remember John saw over there the Word and one sitting up on the throne, and there was no one worthy to take the book, to loose the seals, or even to look thereon. Is that right? And a lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the world came and taken the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And he was worthy. And the only one who could open the book and loose the seal. So let's just speak to him and ask him if he'll open it for us tonight as we bow our heads. Our precious Heavenly Father, we come to thee just as humbly as we know how to come. And Thou art the only one who can take this word. And Thou art the only one that's worthy of opening the word, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. O Lamb of God, come into our midst tonight in the power of Thy resurrection. Give us rapture and faith tonight. Give us great faith, love, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And now, Father, we thank thee for the opportunity that we have to be back here in the blessed old Bible Our Tabernacle with Brother and Sister Reed and all these lovely saints of yours. We thank thee for the grace that's kept us. Oh, at the trials, the heartaches, the shaking times, and down through the shadows, through the cold spells, but here we are together tonight, after seven years, still in love with Jesus. We just thank Thee, Father, for the grace that's kept us, and has brought us safe thus far, It will take us on. We're willing to trust it to go on. Now, uh, we dedicate ourselves to you tonight as your servants, ready for service. God, give us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here in this grounds again in this city. May the angels of God come down into this city and the cities around about throughout the country. Visit, home, stir people. Grant it, Lord, may there be an old-fashioned revival. Begin to move, Lord. That will just continue on and on and on. All right. Revolutionize every life. Bless every believer, Lord. And may we buckle up a little tighter the harness or we see that we're getting near the end. Seven years older tonight, Lord, than the last time I suppose being here, or at least the first time. And someday I've got to come to the end of the road. I've asked you a long time ago, Lord, that when I got there that morning when the fog was sweeping in, I, I didn't want any trouble at the river. I want to cross over. I want to make everything right now so that there will be no trouble there. There will be great hosts of these people gathered there that day. May we all take inventory now. And now, Father, when the last sermon I have preached and I have prayed for the last sick person, thou dost Terry, I'd perhaps be an old, trembling man standing, uh, leaning on a cane as most Branhams go down that way. My friends, many of them gone over, and I feel the fog coming in from the other side. I've tucked my last heel, my last battle, I want to take off my helmet and lay it down on the shore. Stick the old sword here, the word of God, back in the sheath of eternity. Raise up my hands and scream, Father, and push out the lifeboat, Lord. I want to come across. Help me now, Lord, while the battle is going. Help me to be faithful, Stand at the post of duty. Bless Brother Reed, Sister Reed, all the people here at the church, the sick and afflicted, through the country here now, Lord. Not because thy servant is here, but because thy son is here. The Lord Jesus, may his presence bring the people, and may great signs and wonders be done. When the services are closed, and we pray the revival to continue, And we'll bow our heads in humility to the dust from which we were taken and give thee praise for all things, for we ask it in his beloved name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to read just a few words here, make a few comments, and... I was laying my watch down here to kind of keep... I don't want you to stay too long. Our time at home is a little later than this. We got on the other time. Now, in the fourth chapter of St. John, I trust to read just a few verses from the 14th verse down, maybe a, a few verses out of St. John 4, 14 beginning. Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give unto him, be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and thou saidst truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <coughs> and then in St. John, The 5th chapter, and beginning about the 19th verse, Then answered Jesus, and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show you greater works than these that you may marvel. And now in Hebrews thirteen eight said Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. May God add his blessings to his word. I would, just like tonight, being at our theme and subject and our heart and all that we have and live for is Jesus Christ. I would like to speak a little about him, of his character and what he was. The scriptures, someone said recently, Reverend Branham, why do you teach divine healing? I teach divine healing because I believe divine healing. I believe it's in the Word of God. And I, I believe I can sanely and sensibly prove it by the scriptures. And you'd be surprised at the attacks I've had through the years of everything from witchcraft, Buddhism, and throughout the world of all kinds of religions and cults and devils and everything. But friends, by God's help, I've never seen one ever come yet, but what fell in defeat right there while it was going on, because the Word of God will prevail every time. Amen. Amen reason I want you to read the book some of the instances. Every one of them's is bonafide. Everything's is bonafide. You can check it right back. I have never been scared yet. For as long as I know that God commissioned and sent me to go pray for the sick, it's God's obligation to take care of me while I'm out there praying for the sick. And he'll do it. Now... I I never did claim an, uh, to be any divine healer. I, I am I am not that friend. There's no divine healers. Not even Jesus Christ claimed to be a divine healer. He said, "It's my Father that dwelleth in me; He doeth the works. I do nothing. It's Him." So a man that would claim to be a divine healer would just only be well. He'd just be deceiving. And anything that man could do to say that well, that he could do anything to help you otherwise and point you to Christ, the man would be dishonest. There's divine healing lays in Calvary. And the only thing that you can do is point to Calvary. And there's where your salvation lays. Uh, You wasn't saved just five years ago, ten years ago, or twenty years ago, or how long it was— You wasn't saved then. See, you were saved 1,900 years ago. When Jesus died at Calvary, He took the sins of the world away. You just accepted your salvation so many years ago. But everything that God can do for both sickness and sin has already been appropriated in Calvary. And the only thing that a minister can do is to point you to where... What God has already did for you in Christ. Do you understand it? A man could come to the altar, he could pray all night. He could cry, he could beg, he could plead, walk up and down the floors, make restitutions. But until he believed and accepted, he'd still be a sinner. For Hebrews 3 said, Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. Profession, the same translation is confession. He's the high priest of our confession, therefore he can't do nothing for us until first we confess that he has done it. And then he goes to work as a high priest, making good what we profess that he has done. What and he will make good anything that he included in his atonement. And that is wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastise our peace upon him with his stripes, we were healed. Now, we will be, or we ought to have been, but we were, past tense, already healed. God did it back there in Calvary, and the only thing we do is reach up and receive it by faith and believe it, confess it. And Now, your pastor here can point you to Calvary. That's all he can do. Now, God, after the pastors, he has set in the church different gifts and signs. They minister gifts that so he can point to the people by different ways. But there's nothing in an individual that could heal another. There's nothing in me. There's nothing in any other man. Now, I want you to notice. I believe that God is just as tangible in this room tonight as the light is on my hands. Do you believe that? Now, notice. Get the fundamental foundation first that divine healing is in Christ and... He is as present and just as close to you as the light that's shining on you now. That's the. He's infinite. He's forever and forever. He knows the beginning. Now, how the devil fights this wonderful truth of divine healing and marks it up one of the. Someday the church is going to wake up to the fact and realized that the very greatest, one of the greatest things that they had, and the greatest blessings outside of salvation, they turned it down. Many times I found the heathens over there in Africa. The missionary told them, days of miracles has passed, and poor fellows walk around packing mud idols, trying to get healing through mud idols. Because they know their fathers, God weakened at their ignorance, had healed them through believing in the God of their mud idol. But the, the theology of preachers today and of churches and things that deny that power of God to heal. Now, notice, friend. One day, say, for instance, electric lights. There was a time when a man would thought that if they'd told somebody 500 years ago that they'd had an electric light like that, the person would have said the person was crazy. But there was a man one time who down in his heart believed that there was... And he could catch that electricity, and he got a kite and a key, and he, he feasted it out of the skies. And when he, it run down the string or the, and hit into the bottle, he stopped it up, and he began to scream, I got it, I got it. He had it, but he didn't know what he had. That's what's the church, the Marathon Church today. They've got something, but don't know what they got. <laughs> now, as long as he had it, he could rejoice and say, I, I know it's here, I feel it, I know I got it. It's in here, but what did he have? He didn't do nothing with it. Well, then Thomas Edison come along after Benjamin Franklin, and along come Thomas Edison and said that he could make it light. There was something in him that told him that he could make it light and help mankind. And, and so he sat at his desk for tens of thousands of wires. He tried to make that, that electric current follow that wire. And he came on and on and on, tireless hours and nights. And people called him crazy and everything. But there's something on the inside of him told him that that electric would light. And as long as there's something on the inside telling you that it will do it, there's bound to be something there to respond to it. The deep calling to the deep. As I've often said, before the fin is on the fish's back, there's a water first from his swimming, or he wouldn't have that fin. If there's a deep in your calling, there's got to be a deep to respond to it. Sure, you know, when I first started out in the ministry, I was reading on something that a little baby and he'd eat the racers off of a pencil and a, and a pedal off of a bicycle. When they took the little fellow in to uh, examine, him, they found out that his little body needed sulfur and sulfurs and rubber. That baby's body originally came out of the earth where sulfur is. And if there's something in your calling for sulfur, there's got to be a sulfur out there first to respond to this call or there wouldn't be any call for the sulfur. And if there's a deep in here calling to the deep, as David said, there's got to be a deep out there to respond to it somewhere. And as long as there's a call in your heart for more of God, there's got to be more of God somewhere to find it. If there's a call in here believing in divine healing, there's got to be a fountain open somewhere. Before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator to create that creation. Is that right? Amen. And when that creation's in there, God created a hunger in your heart tonight, believing that you could be healed by God. And as long as that is in there, God, the Creator, put that in there. And there's got to be a fountain open of healing somewhere for you. See what I mean? Amen. And Franklin or Edison, rather, he tried war after war, and finally he found the water that would light. It's got to be there. If something inside of him told him it would be there, it's got to be there. So we got electric lights tonight. And friends, for twenty years since I've been a Christian, I have believed that there was a God just as real as that light is on my hand. And there's power of God in this room tonight to heal every sick person in here, open every blinded eye, unstop every deaf ear, make every lame man leap like a heart. Save every sinner, sanctify, and fill with the Holy Ghost, every believer. He's sure just as real as real can be. Now if you can just find the water that carries the current to you. In 20 years of research of the Bible and talking with the angel of the Lord and the many things, I find here is two things. That is, love and faith. If you love God, just purely unadulterated love, you've got to have faith in Him. It'll accompany faith every time. And when love and faith gets married, you ask what you want to, and you'll have it. That's when you know that your heavenly Father cannot tell you any lie, He's God, He can't lie. And then when you believe Him with all your heart, and you believe that what you ask for, you ask it not for any selfish motive. But you're right, Moody, behind there is asked it for the glory of God, and believe without a shadow of doubt that your Father wouldn't lie to you. Something's going to take place. When you can get all the cucklebirds out of the way, and just look right straight there to Calvary, and believe it with all your heart. Now, Jesus went about on the earth uh, doing things, doing good. Now, if we was going to look tonight for the Lord Jesus... How many would want to see him? Let's see your hands. Just say how many would want Well, all of you would, certainly you would. Now, let's just find out what, before we look for him tonight in the Scripture, now, before we look for him, I want you to keep this right here close to you. If you're going to look for somebody, you're going to have to have some kind of a general description of what you're looking for. Is that right? Now, Jesus promised that He would, or the Bible says that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? Well, then, if, do you believe that's true? Do you believe that's inspired? I believe it's inspired. So then, if He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then He's got to be here on earth today just as He ever was and ever will be. Is that right? The same Jesus. And now let's see what he said. Lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Oh, isn't that lovely? Even to the end of the world, I'll be with you. Now watch. A little while, quoting Scripture, A little while, and the world seeth me no more. That's the unbelievers. The world seeth me no more. Yet ye shall see me. The church, the believer. For I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. you believe that? Now let's look at him then just a moment. Where is he? Now he's going to represent himself in his church. I'll be with you, even in you then that shows that he'll be represented in his people. Is that true? Now, let's look what kind of a person he was. Now, if we want to see where where he's represented, let's find out what kind of a person he was and what he did. Let's examine his life a little bit and see what he did, and then we will find out whether he's with us or not. Now... In the days of the Scripture, he didn't take upon himself any great name. He was a man that was humble, but yet a man that could tell you if it was necessary. You know what he told Herod. You know what he told the Pharisees. He planted those ropes together, beat him out of the temple, and called them hypocrites and snakes in the grass and everything else and called Herod an old fox. And, see, But yet, full of humility... Humble man, and he went about doing good to everybody that he could. Now, we uh, I got his picture what, in my mind, what he looks like. Now, let's see him at the beginning of his ministry. I can see him going along, and he, after he became become famous, he went out and began to preach the gospel. He'd been preaching for two or three days, and there was a fellow by the name of, of Philip, <clears throat> came and got converted. Oh, Philip thought he had found the greatest thing in the world he had. So he was so enthused that he couldn't keep from telling everybody about it. So he goes to find his buddy, Nathaniel, And he said, Nathanael, come see who I have found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And watch now, Nathanael was a staunch Hebrew very orthodox. He said, Could any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, You come and see. So I can see Jesus standing in the prayer line, praying for the sick. And the first thing you know, up come Nathaniel and Philip, just a walking. And first thing you know, uh, I believe Philip might have be been letting Nathaniel go ahead. And when Nathaniel come close to Jesus, Jesus looked up at him and said, a whole an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no guile? Oh, my. Well, today, I'd say, if I'd say the same thing, I'd say, Here's a Christian, a truthful, honest person, an Israelite, in whom there is no guile. Well, it, as- it astonished the, the Hebrew worshiper. Why, he said, Rabbi, or Reverend, master, teacher. Well, whence knowest thou me? Well, you don't know me. You've never seen me. How do you know me? Why, he said, before Philip called you, when he was under the tree, I saw you. <laughs> now, if what would that be 1953? You know what they call it? Mental telepathy. Mind reading. The Hebrews... The Orthodox Jews said the same thing those days. They said, Oh, well, they couldn't deny, but what he knowed the thoughts of the people. Someone said to them, He said, Brother Bram, you say Jesus is a mind reader? Sure. He perceived their thoughts. <laughs> Call it whatever you want to. I don't mean one of these here, uh, <coughs> sitting out here, of what the devil's made a pattern of, sitting out here with your hand out, reading down along some circles or something. That's the devil. But everything the devil's got, he patterned it off of God's. you got a hypocrite out there that does all kinds of evil things, but yet the where they got it it had to be patterned off of God, isn't that right? Amen. now notice then the first thing you know when he noticed him and seen him coming, it astonished the man. now, if you'll notice what a strange thing it was when all those Hebrews, then, when they seen all those, remember, staunch man, renowned man, holy man, scholars of the Bible. You couldn't lay one finger on their life and say they wasn't holy. They kept the commandments of God just as true as could be kept. See? They were holy. They didn't do one thing, day or night eat, sleep, and read the Scriptures. They had to be born in a certain lineage before they could be a priest or a teacher. Levites. Their great, 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 great grandfathers were teachers and so forth. Handed down the scrolls and the laws. They studied it day and night and failed to recognize that being the Son of God. And as it was then, so is it now. And watch those people. They knew that He could, He knew what them people were thinking about. He knew them people had come to him what they were what they were doing, he knew their lies, he knew what was wrong with them. And they couldn't deny that. And finally, after a while, instead of sitting down trying to solve it out with the scriptures and see that it was the Son of God, they said he is Beelzebub, the chief of the fortune tellers, the greatest devil that ever lived. Is that right? Well, now you look at what the devils said. The devils turned back around and said, We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Amen. Now, who was right? The preachers or the devils? The devils was. Look up there, Paul and Silas, when they was coming down the street, and those preachers up there and ministers said, While these men are, are uh, uh, well, terrible fellows, said, while they turned the world upside down, their they're, they're, they're heretics and so forth... And when they went down the street, a little fortune teller, devil possessed, sitting out on the street, said, these men are a man of God that tell us the way of life. The devil was right in that case. See? But they clashed Jesus over in that type because the two spirits are close together. And they didn't stop to think and reason out in the scriptures. They just throwed it all in one big bunch and threw it away because he taught against their theology. Notice, notice again, there he was, stood there, and Nathaniel was so astonished, he said, Whence knowest thou me? He said, Before Philip calls you. Now, if he would have said, Now you wait and give me a few days to figure this thing out and see what it's all about, I'll go ask my pastor, or I'll look it up and find out what it's all about. Probably the story of Philip and Nathaniel wouldn't have been written like it is. But he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Thou, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel, heart ready, willing, ready to accept it. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Again, as we was reading here tonight, he was going down to Jericho. He need go by Samaria. What a bypass." Here's Jericho going this way, Samaria way up here, but he had to go by there. I wonder why. Eleven o'clock in the day, and a prostitute came out. He sent the disciples away. He knew she was coming, and he sent the disciples away. About eleven o'clock in the day, she came out. Maybe she just so bad she didn't want to appear before the public. All the rest of them got their water. Maybe she was out all night and slept till eleven o'clock in the day. I don't know, but anyhow, she got there where Jesus was. When Jesus saw the woman come, he said, Bring me a drink. Now, watch, I'm picturing this Jesus. Bring me a drink. Why, she looked around and saw he was a Jew and she a Samaritan. She said, It's not customary for the Jews to ask Samaritans such, we have no dealings. He said, But if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd give you water that you didn't come here to draw. What was he doing? What's the alternative he had now? said, if you'd come, you'd ask me for a drink, and I'd give you water, you didn't come here to draw. She said, the well's deep, and you have nothing to draw with. He went on talking to her. What was he doing? Contacting her spirit. And she looked at him kind of strange. And he said, go right straight to the point, go get your husband. That's what her trouble was. She said, I have no husband. said, you got five." She turned and said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And she ran into this city and called the man and said, come see a man who told me everything i ever done. He didn't do that. He just told her the one thing she'd done. But if God could reveal to him one thing she'd done, he could reveal everything she'd done. Is that right? Say, come see a man who told me all things I've done. Isn't this the Christ? And the man come out, and he went into the city and spoke to him a while. This always a little different, his teaching, from other men. And they said, we believe now that he is. Now, notice again. Here he goes. You believe he was the Son of God? Virgin, born, precious Son of God, full of compassion, full of mercy? Won't show you his limitations. Now notice, just a little bit now. He went by a pool one time called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. God willing, I to go through that porch in a few weeks. Now, and into this pool, where you go down to the pool, and great multitudes of impotent folk laid there, of lame, halt, blind, withered, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel come down at a certain season to trouble the water... Whosoever stepping in first was made a hold of whatsoever disease he had. Look, here comes Jesus. Let's dramatize this just a moment. Here's a woman standing there with a little baby with a water head about like that. Here's a poor old daddy with arthritis standing there, an old blind mother screaming. And anyone's ever read Bible history and the history of the Fox Book of the Mortars and so forth? No. And Josephus writing if they even stabbed one another, try to get in that pool first. The first one in got healed of whatever disease he had. That is, if he had faith. Some of them laughed at it and said the wind just changed around the wall, troubled the water. But they believed it was an angel. I believe it was an angel. And he stepped into the pool. God's always had some resource of healing for the people since he fell from sin. Uh, fell in sin back under. and sickness came into the world. God's had some way, a brass serpent, a pole, or a prophet, or something somewhere that the people get to to be healed. There, in this great troubling of the pool, the waters moving around, being troubled. Then Jesus comes by this audience of people. Here he comes out, the very Emmanuel. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Here is God Jehovah. Dwelling in his son Christ Jesus, moving by this pool of water. And now, do you believe he's full of love? You believe he had compassion on the people? Watch him pass that old crippled up father there, withered, screaming and begging for help. And him passing through there in his garments full of virtue, and passed right by him. This mother with the baby with the water head passed right by him. This poor old mother standing there blind, crying for mercy, passed right him. He wound his way among that multitude of people until he come to a man laying on a pallet. Amen. That's right. Lay on a pallet. And watch now, you'll get the keynote. And Jesus knew that he had been a long time in this case. If he had compassion, why didn't he catch some of those poor, lame, halt, blind, withered, waiting for the troubling of the water, and him moving right around every one of them, moving right around them like that, full of love, full of compassion, passing every one of them by? I got the Messiah looking like pretty dark before you now having it. Just wait. Go on reading down St. John five. You'll see why. Looks like if he's full of love, he had mercy. Look back that he had mercy. He uh, heals some of those people. That's just where the critics of divine healing fail to see today because their eyes are blind to the truth of God. They said, Let him go over here and heal this one. Let him go over here. They saved, said, said the same thing about our lovely Lord. Notice, he went on his way right through until he had come to this man who's laying on a pallet. It don't say, say he had an infirmity 38 years. Well, he had that infirmity when I was a baby. He's retarded. He might have had prostrate trouble. or he, he might have had something other that was, let's say, prostrate trouble or, or something on that order. TV. He was retarded. it wasn't going to kill him. He lived 38 years with it, laying there on a pallet. And Jesus came to that one man, not the lame, halt, blind, or withered, but came to that one man and said, "Wilt thou be made whole? Is that right? One out of the thousands. Wilt thou be made whole? He said, I have no man to put me in the water. He said, take up thy bed and go into thy house. He wrapped up his pallet, laid it on his back, and took off. The Jews found him and began to question him. They got Jesus and questioned him. Here's what he said. St. John 5.19 Verily, verily, I say unto you that the Son can do nothing in himself, But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Father, Father worketh, and the Son worketh hitherto. Is that right? He did not do a thing within himself until God showed him a vision of what was being done. That's his own word. St. John 5, 19, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. And he'll show you greater things than this that you may marvel. In other words, that man he was diabetic or prostrate trouble or whatever it was. Now watch why he went to that one man. he had a vision. Look at him when, when Lazarus died. When he knew Lazarus' going to die, he went away to the city. They sent for him, he went another day's journey. They sent for him, he went another day's journey. And then one day he stopped when an old division is just about fulfilled and said, Well, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Then the disciple said, He do as well. He said, He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. But I go wake him. Amen. 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 What God had showed him what was going to take place. Amen. Showed him what was going to take place. i go wake him. When Martha come and met him on the road coming, she said, yeah, I had been here, Lord... Uh, my brother would not have died, but even now, whatever you ask God, God will do it. See? Jesus knew that he was going to wake Lazarus, for God had already showed him. Amen. And he didn't do nothing but what the Father showed him to do. Is that right? That's his own word. Well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's working the same in his church today as he was yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? He does what the Father shows. Or the prophets of old. Some of them said, Look at Elijah, lived in, nearly in his 80s, I guess. And he only done four miracles, or eight, something like that, in all of his time. He only done, it. one man said to me not long ago, said, uh, Brother Bram, if that power was back on the earth, he would be just going to the hospitals and raising everybody. I said, It did, never did do it. He said, How about Elijah when he went up there and said, Come up here and prove, and I'll show you who's God. He said, If we had that same God in the world today doing that, said oh, God of Elijah would come down. I said, Yes, if God Elijah told his prophets so, he would do the same thing. Amen. He said, Elijah done that upon you? I said, No, he never. When he made his sacrifice and laid his stuff and order and everything like that, he stepped out there and said, Lord, I have done all of this at your command. Amen. Amen. Your command, what you say, do, Lord, that I'll do. Then Jesus in this church today would be just as powerless as your faith is, and just as powerful as your faith is. He'd be limited to whatever God would tell him to do that he could do. If Jesus was here tonight, he might stand before you or you stand before him, he'd tell you your life. He might know what was going on. He might know what you've done or what sins in your life or whatever is wrong with you. But your healing would have to come by God. Is that right? Now, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's in his church today. He puts his church in order. Here some time ago, a few weeks ago, I was just telling Brother Shepley and them sitting there... uh, of a little lady that had a New Albany Methodist church. A brother there was raised in Kentucky together. I was a Baptist preacher, and he was a Methodist. And so he said, Billy, if you just come down and have one night at my little church down there. He had a place down there, and he had people standing on the street, that he said, I want to ask you to pray for a person. And when it was started, I pulled up and he said, Billy, could, could I take that back? He said, i got one of my Sunday school teachers that's sitting here. said, she's the mental case. And said, I've had such an awful time with her. Said, but said, she's a lovely person. Said, she's a divine. Steps to lay hands on her. I did. Prayed for her. A couple weeks after that, I met her again. She was the same shape. One day, the Holy Spirit came into the room. And I said to my wife, he's here now. She said, can I call that woman from New Albany? I said, call her up. When she come and sat there a little while, I spoke to her a little bit. I began to notice a little black car running like that. I said, I see a little car running. Was you ever in a car accident? She said, no. I said, but she was with a light-headed man in an almost strange truck. And she began to scream at the top of her voice. She'd been going to a psychiatrist for ten years. And there, the Holy Spirit told her of how that when her husband was overseas, she lived untrue to her marriage vow and all that she had done like that. She said, well, Brother Brown, I'll confess that to God. I said, you never sinned against God. You sinned against your husband. You'll have to go make that right with him first. And she said, oh, I, I said, that's back in the gable end of your soul and all. Oh, I said, they could pour a gallon of oil on you and kick and stomp and cast out devils as much as they wanted to. It'll never be able to find a cure to you find the cause. Amen. You've got to find the cause first. Amen. Then you get the cure. What's wrong? Where's it at? And she said, I can't tell him that. I said, I said well, you must. I said, doesn't he work for a Chevrolet company? Yes. And there's a lady who works there has, uh, was wearing a pink dress the other day. He was in a green Chevrolet car. He'd done the same act that you did. I said, go get him on the phone out there and see if that isn't right. She called her husband, and they confessed to one another to come back up. The evil spirit left the woman. She just as perfectly normal as she can be now. See? First thing, you've got to find the cause. Then the cure will come. Congressman Upshaw, you all heard of his healing, didn't you? All of these things. Here William Hall, pastor of the Milltown Baptist Church, where I used to be pastor myself, I arrived for Upshaw's healing. I come in that night, and my wife told me I was fixing to go to Africa in about, about six weeks. I had to go to, up to Pennsylvania for a service, my wife said, Billy, do you know that Brother Hall's dying? Cancer on the liver? And I said, oh, my. I said, no. I said, yes. I said, well, you get rid of the crowd out there as quick as you can. Tell them I'm going to church. And I see him Sunday. I said, I'll go down and see Brother Hall. And I went down to see the brother. And there he was laying there as yellow as a pumpkin. And he knew me. And I said, who's your doctor? He said, Dr. Dillman. Well, Dr. Dillman's a bosom friend of mine. I had prayer for Brother Hall and I call Dr. Dillman. He said, Billy, he's dying. I said, oh, Dr. Dillman, I hate to hear that. Said, yes, we took him up to a specialist in New Albany and put him under x-ray and took x-ray and there's a big cancer sitting right in his liver. said, he's just going to die, that's all. So I went on the X-ray to see him and prayed again for him. Went down to see him and, well, he's just getting so low he couldn't hardly breathe. So Miss Hall followed me out. She said, Brother Branham, isn't there one thing you can do? I said, Sister Hall, oh, no, the only thing I can do is pray. <coughs> Uh, She said, do you know another doctor? I said, of course, every person for their doctors. I said, I've got a doctor friend who lives next door to me there, a couple doors from me. I said, it's a bosom friend of mine. as a doctor. I think he's fine. I said, we're bosom friends. I got a letter coming. He's writing to the Medical Association of America about the services. And so um, uh, I said, I'd like for him to see. I called up Dr. Sam Adair, and I said, doctor, would you go down and see him? and see uh, Mr. Hall, he said, well, Billy, I'll just go down to the hospital and read the x-rays. He said, that's all I could do, look in. So he went out and read the x-rays. He came back said, the man's got cancer in the liver, Billy. He's going to die. And I said, oh, my. Is there some specialist or something you can do to console that woman? He said, well, I might send him over to Dr. Abel in Lowell, He's one of the best specialists there is nearly in the South Country. So they got an ambulance and went out and picked Mr. Hall up, and Reverend Hall from Middletown Baptist Church, took him over to Louisville, Dr. Abel examined him, he'd come back and he wouldn't tell Miss Hall. So he called Dr. Adair and told Dr. Adair, and the doctor called me said, Billy, I said, yes, I Said you know your friend Hall? I said, yes, he said he's going to jump overboard in four days. I said, oh my, he said, well, he ought to be ready to go if he's a preacher. And I said, well, of course, that's all right. I said he's ready to go, but I hate to see him go. He's a fairly young man yet, about 55, 58 years old. I said, He's a good preacher. I hate to see him go. I said, Well, you all hate to go, Billy, but we gotta go. So that man will be gone in four days. I said, Well I went in and called Sister Hall out and I said, Sister Hall, Dr. Dare said Abel said he'll be gone in four days. And she started screaming. Now she looked like an old mother to me. Now I said, Look, Sister Hall, he he he's a Christian. He's only gonna drop out of this old body of flesh to go yonder to be with Christ. Ma, how much better. He's got to go sometime anyhow. She said, well, can't you ask God is your vision anywhere? I said, he's never said a word to me. Well, the next morning, I went home <coughs> that night. There's a big bunch of cars up and down the lane. I got as many to pray for as I could. The next morning, say, I've never got converted from squirrel hunting, so I like to go squirrel hunting. Yeah. So I... I had an old rifle, and I picked it up, set it out in the room, and I said, now in the morning at 4 o'clock I'm going to set the clock alarm. I'm going to squirrel hunting to get one day's rest anyhow before I go up there and come back and got to go to Africa for all those meetings. So we set the clock alarm, and I crawled in bed about 12, about 3 or 4 o'clock alarm. I got up so sleepy, and I got my old, started getting my rifle, I started out towards the middle room. I got out there, and i rubbing my eyes, the hall light was on. I looked, and I see the little old green apple hanging there. I said, well, what did my wife put that naughty-looking thing there for? I looked like I was a little and I happened to notice it wasn't hanging on the wall. It was hanging in the air. I scooted my rifle over a corner and got down on my knees. And when I got on my knees, another little green, worm eaten sour, naughty-looking apple come down and stood by its side. And another one and another one until five stood there. Then down come a great big apple about that big, and just make great chomps like that and eat up all five of them. And it went away. I happen to notice you all have seen the picture of the angel Lord. It's tucked down here in that debate down here. You know, when that Baptist people down there was trying to debate it, and he come right down, and let the American Photographer Association take his picture. It's hanging in Washington, DC now. The only supernatural being that ever this take taken. So there, the FBI agents and all of them, there's their seal and everything under it. And there, and there he, he was standing there whirling in the air, and I said, what would my Lord have me to do? He said, Arise and go tell William Hall, Thus saith the Lord, He'll live and not die. Oh, no squirrel hunting that day. I changed them all over. I was right quick and jumped in my car and down I went, just working with him and rubbing his hands and things. and. I come in, his eyes set way back in his head. I said, Brother Hall. He said, What's the matter? I said, I got the word of the Lord. Oh, you never know how you feel then. Amen. When God says it, it's over. He said, What is it, Brother Billy? I said, The Lord Jesus. How long have you been sick, Brother Hall? He said, Maddie, you tell him that's his wife. She said, Well, he got sick back in certain months, about five months. I said, That's what I thought. Five months. I said, I've seen five green apples hanging before me this morning. And a large one came down and eat up the five green ones and the Holy Spirit, the angel of God...